you have your Bible or your tablet or your smartphone or however you access God's Word, we're going to be reading from the book of Luke this morning. So I invite you to look over in the book of Luke, the 17th chapter, and we're going to begin reading with verse number 26. So Luke chapter 17, verse number 26. These are the words of Jesus, and he says to us and to those who were there that day listening to him speak. He says in verse number 26, And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage. Until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them. Likewise also as it was in the days of Lot. They did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded business as usual. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away, or he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. And then Jesus says these words in verse number 32. Remember Lot's wife. And I want to stop reading right there this morning. I would ask that you just bow your heads and help us to pray that the Lord will give us his anointing to minister the word here this morning. Lord, we are so grateful that we have the opportunity to be here in the house of the Lord. Thank you for these that have come. And all that who are away enjoying the wonderful holiday, Lord, we pray that you would bless them wherever they are today. Bring them safely back to us in the days ahead. But Father, we thank you for these that are gathered here this morning. And we thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit that we have already sensed. And that we have already felt here in the house of the Lord. As we have worshipped and we have sang and we have praised. We come to the reading of your word, Lord. And, and I would ask that you would cause me to be an effective minister of the word of God. Put your thoughts in my mind, your words in my mouth. Let them come forth through these lips of clay under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The quickening power of the revelation of God. Put words in our spirit and words in our mouth to encourage and edify and challenge and change us. Let the ear of the hearer, I pray this morning, Lord, be anointed to hear and to receive. And I pray as I do always that above all things, Lord, you will let Jesus Christ be glorified that you will let the people of God be edified, whether they are listening here in this auditorium or whether they listen by way of the Internet. I pray that you would speak to their hearts. And, Lord, we will forever give you the praise and forever give you the thanks. And we ask it in the wonderful and mighty and awesome name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And everyone in agreement with that prayer said amen. Praise the Lamb of God. So if you read the Elevation Worship Center's Facebook page this past week, the post, What's on Pastor's Mind on Wednesday, I posted a little cartoon clip about Lot's wife. And I posted it because I had been studying this setting of Scripture. And all week long, 
this story of Lot's wife and the words of Jesus have just simply rolled over and over and over in my heart and in my spirit. Remember Lot's wife. So this morning, the portion of the text that we have read and the portion of the text that I desire to key in on is the startling admonition of Jesus in verse number 32, to remember Lot's wife. The reason that I find the word so amazing and the reason that I find the word so uh, of Jesus so astonishing is That to my knowledge, this is the only place in the entirety of the word of God. It's the only place where Jesus himself tells anyone to remember someone in particular. It's, It's the only, of all people, of all people for us to remember. How many of you like to remember King David? A champion of God. Samson, a warrior of God. Why didn't Jesus tell us to remember some of the patriarchs? Amen. Why didn't he tell us to remember the faith of Abraham? Why didn't he tell us to remember how Isaac and Jacob dwelt in a land believing God that their seed would inherit that land? Amen. Why didn't he tell us to remember one of the patriarchs? Why didn't he tell us to remember one of the prophets? There are some pretty powerful men. There are some pretty powerful prophets in the word of God. Why didn't he tell us to remember Elijah, the man who called fire down from heaven? Why didn't he tell us to remember Elisha? Amen. The great prophet of God that literally raised up the dead. How about Nathan or Samuel? Why didn't he tell us to remember the lives of his disciples? Why didn't he remember, or why didn't he tell us to remember some of these individuals? Instead of all people, he says, remember Lot's wife. Nowhere in scripture does Jesus specifically tell us to remember any of the heroes of the Old Testament. Nowhere in scripture does Jesus specifically tell us to remember some of the heroes in the New Testament. But right here in this little verse with just three little words, he tells us and he tells the people who are standing there, if you're going to remember somebody, remember Lot's wife. Hmm. He tells us, in essence, to remember someone who started out but never made it. Hello? He tells us to remember someone who started out right and then never made it to the end. Inevitably, it is true this morning that when you begin to look back and you begin to remember people and begin to remember folks from the past, invariably, there are historical associations and there are historical situations that surrounded their lives that helped to make who they were, amen, and where they were at that time. In other words, we remember others by the circumstances that surrounded them. We often remember individuals and they were made or they were, they were a culmination of the events that were surrounding their lives. We remember them oftentimes because of their circumstances. Let me give you a couple of examples. Think of World War II and what comes to mind both good and bad. When you mention World War II in my mind, can't help but think of, of Hitler. Can't help but think of Franklin Roosevelt, Dwight Eisenhower, Douglas MacArthur, General Patton. You can't help but think of Winston Churchill. Think of modern medicine, 
or in the terms of the world of medicine and your mind may run to William Fleming who discovered penicillin. How many of you are glad that he discovered penicillin? Jonas Salk who invented the polio vaccine or maybe Clara Barton or maybe you think of Florence Nightingale who both of those ladies amen, uh, influenced greatly the American Red Cross and the nursing profession itself. Oftentimes we remember people are defined by the circumstances under which they were forced to contend with life. We are told here in our text to remember Lot's wife. So I want to go back this morning and look at the circumstances or the situation surrounding her life. She makes a very brief appearance in Genesis chapter 19. She appears for both the first and the last time in Genesis 19. She appears both the first and the last in a very brief but a very vivid picture. She appears suddenly and then just as suddenly she is frozen in a moment of time. We are never told her name. I don't know about you, but I find that curious. We know Abraham's wife's name, right? We are never told Lot's wife's name. We are never told her name. We know very little about her. We know nothing of her family. We know nothing of her habits. We know nothing of her friends. And we know absolutely nothing of her background. In fact, we know so very little about her, amen, that the question begs to be asked, how can we remember someone whom we know so little about? Hello? How can we remember someone who we know so little of? Let me just take a moment this morning, amen, to just tell you that there is a small but important fact in our Bible. There are other cases of other people who throughout biblical history who were unnamed characters and in some instances we know very little about them and yet their life played a very key and very critical role and their actions mattered greatly. Let me give you a, a couple of folks to consider. How about the widow of Zarpath? In 1 Kings chapter 17, amen, this little woman, we don't know who she was. We don't know where she was except in the city of Zarpath. But this little woman was chosen to sustain Elijah, the man of God, during a famine. Elijah comes to her and says, bake me a little cake. She says, I'm just gathering sticks before, amen, so I can bake a small cake so my son and I can eat and die. Elijah said, no, if you just bake me a little cake, have a little faith in God, bake me one first, and the meal in the barrel won't run out and the oil in the cruise won't run dry. Hmm. We know nothing of her, and yet God chose her to sustain his man of God during the famine. How about the little Shunammite woman in 2 Kings chapter 4? We know again very little about her. What we do know is that the prophet Elisha came by on a regular basis and this little Shunammite woman though we do not know her name and we do not know her age and we don't know really much about her she convinced her husband to build onto the house a room so that when the man of God would come by he would have a place to stay hello how about the woman at the well of Samaria we know again very little about her we know that she came to the well to, to draw water. We know that she had a conversation with Jesus. We know that she had five husbands and the one that she was currently shacked up with was not her husband. 
But other than that, we really don't know a lot about her. What we do know about her, however, is that by the time that Jesus got through speaking with her, that she ran into the city as an evangelist saying, Come and see a man that told me all things ever that I did. Is not this the Messiah? And God used her in a great way, amen, to win the city of Samaria unto himself. Mm. Lot's wife falls into this category. We know very little about her, and yet her life mattered greatly, and it speaks volumes to each one of us that are here this morning. Remember Lot's wife, Jesus says. So let me just give you the facts and the things surrounding her life. In Genesis chapter 11 and chapter 12, and we cannot read all of this this morning due to the length of it and the, the shortness of our time. But if you were to read in Genesis chapter 11 and verse number 12, the Bible said that God calls Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees. And God says to Abraham, get up away from your country and out away from your kindred unto a land that I will show you. And I'm going to cause you to inherit that land. And Abraham arises and he leaves. And then in Genesis chapter 12 and verse number 4, the scripture tells us that Lot went along with Abram. This was before God changed his name to Abraham. Amen. Lot goes with Abram as he leaves Ur of the Chaldees. We are not told at this point whether Lot was married or not. But if he was, we must assume then that Lot's wife left with them. Chapter 13, the Bible tells us in the book of Genesis, in chapter 13, the Bible tells us that both families were so blessed and they increased with such goods, amen, because God's favor and God's blessing was upon them that their both families increased and enlarged to the point where the land where they were gathered could not sustain them. And so they chose to separate one from the other. Lot, you will read it, Lot, the Bible says, chooses the well-watered plain of the Jordan Valley, leaving Abraham with the less desirable desert hills of Canaan. I thought this morning as I was studying and I was reading, I thought the best way that I could, you know, give you an analogy of how that went down is to take you to the top of Freeze Out Hill and, and say, all right, you want the valley or you want the hills? Lot said, well, the valley looks a whole lot better to me than these old dry barren hills. So I'm going to choose the valley down there where there's the river. Lot said, that's just all right. You go right ahead because God will sustain me in these old dry hills. Hello? Amen. So Lot chooses the well-watered plain of the Jordan Valley. Key thing to remember here in this 13th chapter is that Lot locates his family first in the fertile valley of the Jordan. And then in chapter 13, by chapter 13 and verse number 12, he has pitched his tent toward Sodom. He's moving a little closer to Sodom. He's pointed toward Sodom. By chapter 19, Lot has traded his tent and not just pointed his tent towards Sodom, but he traded his tent for a townhouse in downtown Sodom. A little closer and a little closer and a little closer. Can I just warn you this morning that it is the little foxes that spoil the vine. And the Bible tells us not to give place to the enemy, not to give place uh, to our adversary. I said it a few weeks ago. If you let the devil drive a ride, he'll want to drive. Uh, don't let the devil have a foothold in your life. Little by little, Lot moves closer and closer and closer to this wicked, sinful city of Sodom. By chapter 18, God, the Bible says, has sent two angels to see Abraham. 
God says, I've heard of the wickedness that is in Sodom, and I'm going to send two messengers just to check it out. And he says, but before I, before I do that and before I determine to destroy the city, I'm going to go tell, talk and tell Abraham about it. Because I know Abraham will order his children rightly after him. I'm going to go and talk with Abraham. So chapter 18, God sends two angels from heaven. They end up, their, their mission is number one to tell Sarah that about this time next year, you're going to have a child. Sarah laughs, says, you got to be joking. I've waited 24 years for the promise. God says, yeah, well, by next year, you'll be holding it. <laughs> Hello? But then also, God says through these two angels to Abraham, we have come to see the city of Sodom. We, we have heard the wickedness. We have heard of the wickedness and we have come to determine whether judgment will fall upon this city. That takes us to chapter 19. The two angels, the Bible says, come into the city of Sodom in the evening. Lot is sitting at the gate of the city. Now, I just will tell you, just, you know, just for your information, individuals that sat at the gates of the city were elders of the city. So not only had Lot traded his tent for a townhouse, but he had, come, he had become part of the leadership in the city. He was one of the elders sitting in the gate. Amen. I'm going to tell you something. He had got a little too close for sin. Got a little too close, a little too comfortable with sinful things. Amen. The Bible says that Lot goes out to meet the angels of the Lord when they came into the city. And he bows himself to the ground and he bows himself unto the earth and he tells them, you need to come and stay at my house for the evening. The two angels said to Lot, you'll find this story in Genesis chapter 19. The two angels said, no, 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 we're not going to stay at your place. We're going to sleep right here in the city square outdoors. Lot said, oh, no, 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 you, you, you don't want to do that. Please come to my house. Come into my house and let me be your caretaker for the evening. They finally relented and they agreed. They go to Lot's house. Lot makes them supper and the sun is going down. And, and the Bible says that the men of the city, young and old alike, are there at Lot's door, banging at the door, saying, send out to us the strangers that came to stay at your house so that we may know them. That's old King James, so that we may have sex with them. Oh, pastor said sex. So that we may know them. How wicked and ugly Lot goes out to meet them, shuts the door behind, and he says, please, men, don't do this wickedness. These men have come up under my roof. They have come up under my protection. Come up under my house to be safe and secure. Don't do this wickedness. And this is their response to them. You came to sojourn with us and now you're going to be our judge. We will do more wickedly with you. And we'll deal more harshly with you. How many of you know people don't like it when you reprove them of their sin? <laughs> we will deal more harshly with you than with them. Lot even made them a, a, an absolutely unfathomable uh, proposition. I, I don't know where in the world this come from. But he said, I have two daughters who have never known a man. Let me bring them out to you and you can know them. But please don't do this wickedness unto the guests that's come to my house. The men would have nothing to do with it. They were intent on raping the angels that came to visit the city of Sodom. How wicked can you get? 
How wicked can you be? It was so bad that the Bible says that the angels opened the door, grabbed Lot's hand, and pulled him back in the house and shut the door. And the men of the city wearied themselves, the Bible said, at the door, trying to get in. And the angels struck them with blindness. And even after they were blind, they wearied themselves trying to find the door handle, trying to find the way in. How ugly, how wicked. In the morning, when the sun came up, bright and early before the sun popped over the mountains, the angels of the Lord said to Lot, Arise, get up, time to go. God will bring judgment to this city. God will bring judgment to this city because of their wickedness. And because of their sin. Amen. Arise. Arise and take thy wife and your two daughters, your two little lots. <laughs> arise and get up out of the city and flee into the mountains. And the Bible says that the angels of the Lord took Lot by the hand. Amen. And, and, and his wife by the hand. And led them out of the gate of the city. There's Lot, his wife, and his two daughters. And the angels warned them, don't look back. Just flee from this place for the judgment of God will fall upon it. Get up and get out of this place, uh, amen, and leave this place and flee from this place. Uh, and the Bible says uh, that when Lot and his wife began to flee from the city of Sodom toward the city of Zoar, that God began to rain fire and brimstone out of heaven and began to destroy the wickedness of the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm here to tell you this morning, amen, that those who are in sin and in wickedness will not escape the judgment of God. And they are fleeing Lot, his wife, and his two children. But the Bible tells us there in that 19th chapter that Lot's wife looked back. Disobedience unto the Lord and his word. She looked back. And when she looked back, the Bible tells us that she became a pillar of salt. She became a pillar of salt. She appears at the moment that the angel takes her by the hand to lead her out of the city and then she is frozen in a moment of time when she looks back at the city that's being destroyed, turned into a pillar of salt, suffering the judgment of God. Amen. There are three lessons this morning that the Holy Spirit has laid upon my heart to bring to you here today. And the first lesson that the Lord spoke to my heart about. Amen. The first thing that I want to talk to you about is that she was almost saved. Almost saved. She almost made it. Almost. She was almost saved. She almost made it. She almost made it out. How many of you know that almost saved doesn't cut it? Almost a Christian doesn't cut it. Almost a believer doesn't cut it. Almost dedicated to Christ does not cut it. Have you ever heard the old saying that almost only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades? Hello? Amen. Almost does not count when it comes to living a life as a believer. You are either saved or you are unsaved. Acts chapter 26, Paul stands before King Agrippa. 
and he preaches to King Agrippa and you can read it in Acts chapter 26 and verse number 28 Paul preaches to King Agrippa and Agrippa hears the message of salvation preached unto him and he hears as Paul tells him of Christ and Agrippa said to Paul these words almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian almost you persuade me to give my heart to the Lord almost means just about not quite missed it by that much almost I'm here to tell you this morning we can't be almost saved we are either saved and on our way to heaven or we are lost and we are going without God Lot's wife started out right she is leaving Sodom the city of Zoar is in front of her she is walking in obedience she is fleeing the city she is trusting God to save her household she did not fail because of unbelief When the angels came and gave her the message and the warning, she believed. The scripture does not tell us that she laughed at them or mocked them or refused them. Amen. She did not fail because she did not respond to the message or the warning. No, she got up and she started leaving and she started walking away. So what caused her to fail? And the answer to that question this morning is that she looked back. She looked back. Pastor Gary, wait a minute. Come on now. You mean just because she looked back, God's judgment fell upon her? Listen, listen, listen very carefully. It wasn't just the act of looking back. It's what the act of looking back indicates. You must understand it was not the physical act of looking back that brought God's judgment, but it was what the looking back actually indicated. It indicated that she had a divided heart. She wanted to be saved, but she wanted to continue in sin. It indicated that she had an unsurrendered will. She wanted to be in the safety of God. Amen. But yet she wanted to still remain in the city of Sodom. It indicated that she had a kinship and a friendship and a comfort level with sin. I'm here to tell you this morning, you cannot ride the fence. You'll get hurt. You are either God's or you're not. Hmm. That looking back indicated that she had a longing to go back, a longing to remain. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 15, the Bible says these words, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, then the love of the Father is not in him for all that is in the world the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life they are not of the father but of this world and then John goes on to say and this world will pass away and the lust thereof but he that does the will of God shall abide forever hey I'm going to tell you this morning if you want to remain in the safety of God's hand then remain in Christ Jesus safety in God was calling her out and Sodom was calling her back to a life of sin and ungodliness and she was torn with a divided heart an unsurrendered will and she looked back Jesus says these words in Luke chapter 9 and verse number 62 he said no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God when Jesus says to us remember Lot's wife amen he is first of all saying to 
to us. Don't get started and then turn around and look back how human it is for us. So often we are delivered by the hand of God and we begin to have an ungodly longing, amen, for the things of this world. Do you remember the children of Israel? They are brought out of Egypt's bondage, set free by the hand of God and all they can think about were the onions and the leeks that they did eat when they were in Egypt. Amen. How human it is for us. But I came to tell you this morning, amen, stop looking back. Stop looking back at your failures. Stop looking back at your victories. Stop looking back this morning at the what could have been and the what should have been and keep your eye on the prize of the calling of God that's in Christ Jesus and look forward unto him. Amen, amen. She was almost saved. Vast difference between being saved and missed it by that much. You can tell I grew up watching Get Smart. Missed it by that much. Almost saved. Once you get started, let me just tell you, once you get started in your walk with the Lord, don't go back. Don't turn around looking back. Keep your eye on the prize of the high calling of God that is in Christ and keep moving forward in the Lord. So number one, almost saved. Number two, the second thing that the Spirit of the Lord rambled around in my heart is number two, almost saved but perished. You say, well, Pastor Gary, that sounds a whole lot like the first one. Well, stick with me for just a second. The second lesson that the Spirit of the Lord kind of put in my heart was almost saved but perished. You may think there's not a lot of difference between almost saved and almost saved but perished, and indeed you may have a good argument, but consider this for just a moment. Consider an individual who is out at sea. There is no lifeboat. There is no life raft. There is no life jacket. There is no one to throw him a saving line. He is in the midst of a hurricane and he drowns. And now, in contrast to that, think of an individual that's on a pristine, calm, clear lake and yet he refuses to stay in the boat. There is a life jacket on the boat, but he refuses to wear it. There's someone standing in the boat throwing him a line, but he refuses to grab a hold of it, and he drowns. Now, who was at fault in both of those situations? The first man could not save himself. The second man had an opportunity. She was saved, almost saved, but she perished. She could have, she could have made it out just like Lot did. She could have made it out just like her daughters did. She could have, it's not like she didn't have an opportunity, but she perished. She perished herself. Who's to blame in those two different situations? What I'm saying this morning is Lot's wife could have been spared. God's protection was there for her just as it was for Lot and his daughters. Uh, amen. But she refused to accept the safety by walking in disobedience. Uh, and I want to tell you this morning, church, uh, that God offers to all of us uh, a way of escape uh, from our sins. He offers 
offers all of us the gift of eternal life. Salvation has been made available not to just a select few, but it has been made available to all of us. And now the choice is ours. Amen. What will we do? Refuse and reject or latch on to the word and be saved? There is no need to perish. There is no need to be lost. God has thrown us a lifeline. God has thrown us, amen, God has thrown us a safety net. God has lowered the lifeboat of safety. God has provided the life jacket of Jesus Christ. All we need to do is put it on and be saved. There is no need for us to perish. Amen. He offers salvation to one and all. Revelation chapter 22, verse number 17. The word of God says these words, and the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that heareth come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let whosoever will come and take of the water of life freely. Amen. John chapter 6 and verse number 37. Amen. The word of God declares, and all that the Father gives to me shall come to me. And all that come to me, he says, I will in no wise cast out. In other words, salvation has been made available to all. And if we perish, it is our own doing. Hmm. There will be individuals who are lost. There will be individuals who perish. Not because God does not care. Not because God is indifferent to the plight of sinful men. Not because God has not made a way of escape, but because they have rejected the salvation plan of God just as Lot's wife rejected the instruction of the Lord. I came to tell you this morning don't look back. God has made a way of safety for us if we keep marching forward and keep our eyes upon the Lord Jesus Christ and keep our hand in his hand and our trust in him and allow him and his salvation to see us safely through to the other side Hmm. hallelujah don't be the one who was almost saved but perished we come to the third thing the Lord speaks to my heart her life is a warning three simple words that is such a warning like a red light on Fairview and Eagle I mean, if you know, you better stop on Fairview and Eagle when you see red. Her life is like a warning light for all of us, for all of us. When Jesus says, remember Lot's wife, he's warning us in this text not to get swallowed up in the affairs of this life and forget our eternal salvation. So number three, her life is a warning. Amen. Remembering Lot's wife is to understand that her life is a warning to our lives. In the context of the scriptures that we've read this morning, the Pharisees are demanding of Jesus, wanting to know when the kingdom of God will come. Jesus says to them, he tells them that the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. You can read it there in Luke chapter 17. He says the kingdom of God does not come with observation. In other words, people will not be able to say, lo, it is here, or lo, it is there, or lo, it is over here. But he tells them that the kingdom of God, when it comes, will abide within. It's in us. It's in us. Amen. This building is not the church. Say, I know, Pastor Gary, it's a school. No, that's not what I'm saying. This building is not the church. We are the church. 
We are the church. The kingdom is not a physical kingdom until the millennial kingdom, but the, but the kingdom has already come. It's already in us. We are already subjects and servants of the Most High God. Hmm. He tells them and warns them. He says, but the day of the coming of the Son of Man, when he comes to set up his kingdom, amen, on this earth, he says, the day of the coming of the Son of Man, as it was in the days of Noah, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. Somebody said, oh, they were living sinful. Well, hang on a minute. Anything wrong with eating? Now, we, we might preach about overeating. Anything wrong with drinking? I, anything wrong with marrying or giving in marriage? No. Nothing wrong with those things. That's not what Jesus was talking about when he said, as in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the coming of the days of the Son of Man. For they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving. In other words, they were just living life as usual without giving no heed to the warning that something was coming. That's exactly where we are today. Men stand and preach that Jesus Christ is the only way and that Jesus Christ uh, is coming soon. And people just go on about their lives uh, as if nothing has ever been said. Hello? He said they will be eating and drinking and giving in marriage. And, and they, they knew until the day, they didn't even realize until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. He said, I'm giving you an, an analogy. I'm telling you that the last days on this earth are going to be like the days of Noah. When the Son of Man comes and the kingdom comes, uh, he says the last days are going to be like the days of Noah. People are going to go about living their life and giving no heed to spiritual things uh, as if they have got all the time in the world. And that's where we are. He said, likewise, in verse 28 of Luke chapter 17, likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, God rained fire and brimstone upon that cursed city and destroyed it because of their wickedness. And then he says, now I, I hope you're grabbing this, he's saying that in the last days before he comes to set up or establish his kingdom on this earth, he said that day is going to look like the day of Noah. That day is going to look like the day of Lot and Sodom. They're eating and drinking, building and giving in marriage and just going about life. And they didn't even recognize that something was coming. Oh, I can just, I can just tell you right now in the spirit, I can close my eyes and there is a dark cloud on the horizon coming on this world. Thank God we don't have to be a part of it. Can you say amen? Because God has made a way of escape. And then he says... He says that in, the, in that day when, they went, when Lot went out of Sodom, God rained judgment upon the earth and it destroyed them all. And then Jesus closes by saying, remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. What he's really saying is in this day that we live right now, in this day that we live right now, like Lot's wife allowed her heart to be torn between the two. God is saying, Jesus was saying, don't allow your spirit to become so entangled with the things of the world that you are not ready to leave this world. Hello? 
Don't allow your heart, don't allow your spirit to become so comfortable with the sin of this world and so entangled with the things of this world that when I come and when that day comes, amen, you're not ready to leave this place. You're not ready to let go. Don't allow your heart to be divided between me and the world. How many of you know you can only serve one master? Hello, you can only serve one master. Jesus was saying, amen, remember Lot's wife. Don't get so attached to the world that you become unready to leave this world. Don't look back at the things of this world with a lustful heart for the sin of this world. Don't perish. Don't allow yourself to be perish or to perish as if no one has thrown you out a lifeline. Amen. Don't let that day catch you unaware as it caught them unaware. Don't allow anything to cause you to draw back and to take your hand off of the gospel plow. Don't allow that day, amen, to come upon you, amen, or delay you from removing yourself from the sinful things of the world. But he says, come and come to me without hesitation and come to me without reservation and come to me with without procrastination, amen, and be saved completely. Remember Lot's wife. If I had a few words to tell you this morning, it would be the same words that the angel said to Lot and his wife. These were their words in a nutshell. Escape for your life. That's what the angel told Lot and his family. Escape for your life I'm here to tell you there is a day of judgment coming upon planet earth escape with your life and you can only escape through Christ Jesus amen the angel said to them number two do not look behind amen don't get so enamored with the world that you can't turn loose of the world let it go don't look behind Amen. The angels said to them, don't remain in the city. I would say to you this morning, don't remain in your sin. The angels said to Lot and his family, escape to the mountains. I would tell you this morning, escape to Mount Calvary where you can find redemption and find restoration and find the righteousness of God that is in Christ Jesus and find the perfect salvation Salvation that is able to save from the uttermost, amen, all the way to heaven's gate, amen. Don't allow yourself, amen, to be caught looking back and don't allow yourself to be double-minded for a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. But I would tell you this morning, march on, march forward, march on with Christ, march on to salvation, March on to eternal redemption and march on to eternal glory in the very presence of our King. Mm. Hallelujah. I close with these few words. She was almost saved. She was almost saved, but she perished. She perished even though she had been warned of danger. Mm, We can consider ourselves warned today. She perished even though she had been warned of danger. She perished even though she had made an effort to be saved. Now let that sink in for a minute. She made an effort to be saved. I'll tell you right now, all of your efforts are futile. To try to, to try to win your salvation. Amen. It's not in your efforts. It's only by the gift and the grace of God. She perished even though she was given clear instructions and directions. She was separated from the godless. 
She was no longer in the city. She was separated from the godless, but she was still lost. She left everything in Sodom, including her heart, and it killed her. Let that sink into your spirit for a moment. She left everything in Sodom, including her heart, and that's what killed her. God wants our heart. When Jesus says, remember Lot's wife, those three little words were a mountain of information. No wonder he says to us, remember Lot's wife. Bow your heads all over the building this morning and we will pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful today for the divine word of the living God. We are thankful today, Father, that you care enough about our eternal salvation. That you are willing to remind us not to look back. Not to look back on a world of sin. Not to look back upon a life of iniquity. But you encourage us that you have made a way of escape. That you have thrown out a lifeline. This morning I pray, Heavenly Father, that if there be someone here in this place today that like Lot's wife has one eye toward the future and one eye over their shoulder looking back that you will cause them to see, Lord, the error of their way and the double-mindedness of their heart. That we will be willing to say, Lord, take me by the hand. Help me and save me. Don't allow anything into my spirit or into my heart or into my life or into my home or into my family's life that would bring disruption. But, oh God, bring me out that I perish not when judgment falls upon this land, upon this world. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for causing us to remember Lot's wife. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed, and I pray this prayer in the mighty name of Jesus. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here, and the Holy Spirit is talking to your heart, revealing to you that there are some things that you need to quit looking back at. Would you be willing to just slip up your hand and say, Pastor Gary, that's me, yes, 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 yes. If you're here this morning and you recognize some of Lot, some of his wife in your life, would you be willing to slip up your hand and say, I, I see some of her in me. Yes, 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 yes. Mm. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Please stand to your feet all over the building this morning. Stand to your feet all over the building this morning. There have been many, many hands that have been lifted here today. I want to pray with those that lifted your hands. All of you, just bow your heads as we pray one last time. Father, you saw every single hand that was lifted here this morning. And Father, you see our hearts and you know the very intents of our thoughts. Father, you see us looking forward with one eye and looking over our shoulder with the other. Divided and not quite willing to turn everything loose. 
Help us right now. Help us right now to turn loose of the city of Sodom. Help us to turn loose of those things that hinder us, that come to bind us, and that come to call us back to chains. You said whom the Son has set free is free indeed. This morning, Lord, I pray that you will set the captive free. Let our eyes this morning, O Lord, be focused straight ahead upon the lifeline, the salvation of the Lord. Let there be no love for the things of this world remaining in our heart. But, oh God, let us call upon the name of the Lord in sincerity and in truth. Hmm. I pray, oh God, for every single individual that lifted a hand this morning that you would supernaturally strengthen them and encourage them and uphold them and help them, I pray, to keep marching forward, to turn loose of those things that hold and bind. I pray these things, Lord, in the mighty and wonderful name.